All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Real Life Podcast, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to Real Life, everyone. (laughs) What is going on right now? I think that I'm in love with Matthew Kachuk. Are you guys all drunk? Welcome in. This is episode 358 of the Real Life Podcast, and it's a short-staffed edition of the Real Life Podcast. We're kind of like the Oilers in that way. Get it? Everyone's kind of like hurt and whatnot. Um, episode 358 brought to you by the HGA Group, Tyler, Bag, Milk, Wanye. We don't know that anybody's hurt. Yeah, actually, we don't. Jay might be in transit. Uh, Chalmers just didn't respond in the group chat. Well, he's in the Quonset. Yeah, I have no. earbuds that just won't connect for no reason. I'm the one fighting through. I'm a hero, and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would have been just the Uram Chicken Bag Milk show. Um, similar to how it was just the Bag Milk and Wanye show that you guys went for three hours on Better that's Late Than Never. That's what she said. That's because that's what I do, Tyler. You weren't in the standing in my way. I saw someone tweet that. They were like, you guys should do a pod, <laughs> like you and Wanya should do a podcast together and just call it the anti-Uremchuk like pod. And I was like, what does that mean? Well, that's not mean? very nice. Come on. Ultimately true, though. Fair. Uh, you know, it was great. Smitty Day. What'd you guys think of Smitty Day? Yeah, that's where I wanted to start. Smitty Day. I thought it was really cool to see everyone kind of share their stories and all that. I thought the the mini doc you guys kind of threw together up on YouTube was really, really good. Go watch it now. Nation Network YouTube. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button while you're there. Um, it was all really, really well done. And the shirt is super cool. And like hearing the origin story of that shirt and then seeing it kind of come to life and seeing it in person was awesome. Had you ever seen that shirt before? I saw one of them at our nation party earlier this year that we just had like hung up on the wall. But um, like <laughs> I knew the backstory of it now that it's like modernized and out there. I think it's sweet. 
The one that I have uh, was like ironed on by hand, the original, <laughs> and it's covered in red sourpuss. And I haven't been able to wear it because it looks like a zombie wore it to prom. So are you getting one of the new ones? No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, like the original OG, baby. You were uh you were kind of the one spearheading this mini day, you and Coomzy, who did a great job with it. Uh, but what did you Thank think you. of it all, Wanya? I thought it was great, man. Like I think that one of the things that Coom and I want to do in bag milk, I'm sure uh we've talked about this too at length, is just like some more in-depth stuff, right? Yeah. And Coom and I were working on that. Coom did a great job. Kennedy was involved, she did a great job. Waz was involved, he did a great job. We had over a million impressions of Smitty Day across the major platforms. And I think like it was funny. Well, it wasn't funny, but when Connor got hit in the mouth and he chipped a tooth or whatever, people were like, he's losing teeth on Smitty Day. I was like, yeah, Smitty Day. I'm like, wait a minute. That's just me and Coom. We decided it's Smitty Day. So I thought it was great. I thought it was the video was really well done. Looking back through all the old articles in the journal repository and stuff was really interesting to kind of see fan interaction. Like, you'd write into the newspaper to tell the team off and shit. And now obviously it's migrated online to social media and stuff. But if anyone deserves it, it's Mitty. Yeah. I just thought you guys did a really good job. Like I wasn't really involved in the planning at all. I just kind of had an idea of what was coming. Like cam on, I guess it would have been Saturday night, gave me a schedule of what was going on and when things were being posted. I was like, Holy fuck. So I just, I honestly got to sit back and enjoy it. And I thought the 20 minute documentary was really, really well done. I thought it was nice to hear your voice chime in there and just give some history and context. <laughs> you like and the I ending, thought, how I made it so epic. The end of the video, it was like, it, you're a God. Yeah. I thought that it was fun. It was, it was nice for me, from my perspective, to just sit back and enjoy the content because mm. there was a lot of it, a lot of really good stuff. I think we're going to take it two ways from here. One, this time next year, we're going to celebrate Smitty Day again. And we're going to add to the content that we made this year. So we'll rebroadcast the 20 minute bio, but we're going to look at some other parts of Smitty's life and different, you know, maybe top five Smitty goals and that type of shit. But honestly, the goal, the more I was reading tweets from people yesterday and just seeing how people remember Smitty, like I kind of, think sometimes I'm looking at the others through a special pair of rose colored glasses. Like I love Smitty so much, but reading everyone's commentary yesterday, a lot of people do too. So we're going to try and just keep bringing it up every year that they should retire his number. And maybe we'll bring back a petition, like bring Ryan home. The original protest site was a petition to get Smitty to come home. Maybe it's in a couple of years or next year, we'll do a petition to retire his number. Like Smitty deserves to have his number retired. And a lot of people I think think like this. Yeah, I, I, I don't like I'm kind of on the fence about it, but I do think that this is we've talked about this a hundred times, but like the start of some sort of wall of honor kind of thing for the Oilers, you know, sprucing up the arena a little bit, giving it a bit more of an Oilers flavor, I, I think is is something they should do. And I think that's something that the first time you do it, it'll be a really big event, right? Like the first name you put in the Oilers wall of honor will hold some significance. And I think it should be Ryan Smith in that first spot. Cause I think he is the ultimate example of what you would want a ring of honor, wall of honor, Oilers hall of fame room to be is a guy like that who, you know, wasn't, didn't have, I wouldn't, I, I can understand the distinction between people who won cops and are in the hockey hall of fame and whatnot. But I think, Smitty didn't win a cup because the Oilers failed him, not the other way around. If that makes any sense. Yeah. But even if the Oilers would have won a cup, he wouldn't be a hall of famer, right? No, but like, I don't think that you have to be in the hockey hall of fame to have your number. retired. 
Yeah, I agree. I just find that to be a weird, like a lot of people get hung up on that detail. But I don't know. Like I can see your end check. You're a purist. I'm not dismissing your point of view. If there's any modern oiler who deserves to have his number retired, ignoring the current wonderkind, mm-hmm. the only player from like 1990, I guess the cup 1990 to bloody Connor showing up in 2014 would be Smith. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's anybody else. Who I mean, fucking- now having said that a ring of honor and that type of thing, That'd be fucking awesome too. Yeah. So Smitty Day next year, we're going to have more content. And then we were thinking maybe it's time to start doing a deep dive on former Oilers who deserve a ring of honor type thing. Like we, I really want to do a video on Alish Hemsky. Yeah. And I'd love to do an Alish Hemsky day because I feel like there's a lot of kids now who don't recognize or weren't really around to understand like the beating Alish Hemsky took on a night in night out basis on teams that largely mailed it in. Right. And Kuhn and I were talking about this and he said he was looking at Alex Hemsky's stats and Hemsky really wasn't here for like the advanced analytics popularity that there is today. But he's like, Hemsky's got very interesting stats that stat people would really probably view him as like, oh, damn, look at this guy's numbers he was putting up. And so having a deep dive Alex Hemsky day with five or six articles and a 20 minute bio and shit like that, we think might be an interesting thing to do down the road. What do you guys think about that? I love the idea of it. Yeah. He was one of those players for me that on so many nights, Alish Hemsky was the only reason to watch the team. For sure. Shit. And you're right. You see him as a hab and you see him as a Dallas star. And then he like unceremoniously retired during the pandemic. He was so injured all the time as a star and a hab because he was injured as an oiler being the only person who gave a fuck most nights, right? How many times did he go into the corners against Robin Regeer just knew he was going to get his lunch money taken, but he still went in there anyway. And just, well, we were looking at some Kemsky articles, me and Kuhn. There's this one article. It's like the Oilers have JF jock for the sole reason of riding shotgun for Alish Hemsky. And don't worry, Alish Hemsky, you're (laughs) safe now. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, fuck, how'd that go? <laughs> not very well. Mm-hmm. But Alex Hemsky was an absolute gem of a player. Mm-hmm. And to comb through his historical articles and, and highlights and shit like that, I love seeing all the old Smitty highlights Kennedy put together. She did such a good job. Yeah, she did. I think everybody that chimed it worked on it, did a really good job. There's a lot Brownlee of Brownlee even participated. Yeah, Brownlee's article yesterday morning, the his regular Sunday column was really good. I looked back at Ryan Smith and just the history of that trade. It was fun. I liked it. It's pretty amazing to look back now and realize that the Oilers trade Smitty. They then proceed to lose. Was it basically everything? 17 games or 10 games in a row and then didn't make the playoffs for 10 years in a row or some crazy shit. Yep. Whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Well, there you have it, boys. Smitty day. Happy Smitty day to one of all. The other thing too, is just like that trade in general, right? So they get back Nielsen, Omara and Alex Plant. Um, Nielsen eventually just left the Oilers, never played again in the NHL. Ryan O'Mara, let's uh, check the notes here, um, was eventually traded to the Ducks for someone named Brian Rodney. Who uh, You don't remember Brian Rodney? I have four of his jerseys. <laughs> he played exactly one game for the Oilers in his career and was minus That's one. when I got the jerseys. Um, so then there was that eventually, you know, that trade tree just dies. And then Alex, Alex Blunt, Blunt, he was the, he was the hero of that deal. played 10 games for the Oilers, picked up two assists and four penalty minutes and was uh minus one in Good those times. games. Uh, so it's <laughs> right. Like it's one of those things and you could do this with the Hemsky deal as well, but like the Smith trade was supposed to be one of those moments where like 
you bite the bullet, you trade the fan favorite, you get a bunch of pieces and it kickstarts the rebuild. Hemsky, they probably traded what? Two years too late, three yeah. years too late. Um, what's, what's crazy going back and reading the logic of the day about the Smith contract and shit. There was so many rude articles written about Ryan Smith. This is one thing Kuhn and I couldn't believe. Like looking back through the lens of like, you know, you lose a game and there's pressure or whatever the hell. Sure. But like looking back, we found this crazy article where it was during the Smith negotiations and the Edmonton journal compared how much Smith made to how much the CEO of Melkor made. (laughs) And it was like in the absence of ripping him saying he isn't worth how much money he wants versus other players in the NHL. It was basically like, well, look how much this guy makes. And then Ryan Smith isn't happy to make four times as much as him. And you're reading this and you're like, there's like a concerted effort to make Oilers fans not like Ryan Smith towards every time there was a contract negotiation, there'd be like these crazy articles written about how Ryan Smith is just a greedy piece of shit. Like it's crazy. The harsh language they used about him. Right. And then when they got rid of Smitty and he ultimately left, they signed Sheldon Surrey. They basically went around, like it says in the video, like casting their net, Vanek, Nylander. They're going wild, Michael Nylander, trying to find a star. And they end up giving Sheldon Surrey the exact same contract they were going to give Smith, that, sorry, that Smith wanted. So they run around looking for basically anybody to move the needle on the star power of the Oilers after trading the fan favorite mm-hmm. and end up giving Smitty money to the next guy anyways. It's just very annoying, man. There's a bunch of like really nerdy hockey ways I could take that as well. And it would be my message to a team like Montreal, who is kind of in a similar, like almost identical predicament to what the Oilers were in. Right. They went to the cup final carried by Shea Weber, Carey Price and and a decent group of forwards. And, you know, the next year, I mean, Rollison stuck around for a little, but Price is now kind of done. They lost that stud number one franchise level defenseman that they had in Weber. That was so important to that playoff run as well. And now Montreal sitting there. And what do you hear? Well, they're looking to sell off a bunch of veterans and they're looking into, you know, going out and making a big splash in free agency. And I hear that. And then I hear you describing what happened after the Ryan Smith thing. And it's like, man, how different does the Oilers rebuild play out if they don't take the total tank approach? Right. Like you need the the lesson, I think, is that you need to keep some good veterans around because, again, you traded Hemsky, you traded Smith and all the organization had left for it within a couple of years was like some fringe level prospects. Mm-hmm. Good times. Um, I just learned this as well. Did you know the Alish Hemsky trade tree isn't dead? Oh, oh we got left. So the Oilers traded Hemsky to the senators for a fifth round pick and a third round pick. Mm-hmm. The uh, fifth round pick was used on Liam Coughlin, who was eventually traded for Anders Nielsen. Anders Nielsen was eventually traded for a prospect and a draft pick. That draft pick is Graham McPhee, son of George McPhee, who uh, now has six points in 24 games with the Bakersfield Condors this year. So what on earth? We need McPhee to pick it up. And the other prospect in that deal was eventually thrown into the package that got the Oilers Cam Talbot. The other thing that's crazy about going through this old ass content is looking at what, like who made what, when, like when they were trying to boot Smitty out of town over a hundred grand, Peter Nedved made 5 million us for the Jesus. Oilers. Wow. And we I were like, of course, of course he's got white skates. That's what I thought at the time. I remember them signing him. I did not know he made that much money. Yeah, man. Like 
it's such a slap in the face for somebody who bled Oilers his entire life and then returned home and continued to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I also, I think they res- deserve to retire his numbers. Like he just suffered such shitty treatment. that If ever there's somebody that you maybe overcompensate in retirement. And I'm with you that not everybody, I don't think it opens up the floodgates for shitloads of Oilers alumni having an equal case to be in their number retired just because Smitty no. did. Cause I don't really think there was anybody else who gave it his all during dark years and was shat on as much on the way out of town. And he came back again. Like it wasn't like when Smitty returned, it was a different organization. It was the same organization in a further state of disrepair. Yeah. He had 31 goals in 53 games that season. They traded him when they dealt him. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And then they Heater. fucked up the trade. Yeah, they really, did. I remember that they showed, the Islanders scoring like either in the last game of the year or the second last game of the year. And like Smitty came flying off the bench and he was so excited. And I was just like beside myself with horror at what we'd done. I remember just, I forgot about it until I watched the video and I listened to Cam read or kind of walk through it. How I forgot that night was Mark Messier Jersey retirement night. Yeah. That was a memory, I guess, I kind of pushed away somewhere because I forgot how dark the end of that season was. They won. Yeah, man. Remember Kevin Lowe wouldn't show up for the night retiring him? Yeah. And then the other thing that I think we talked about on this podcast briefly, but I remembered somebody sneaking a helium tank and balloons in and they'd made their own Smitty banner to retire his number. And I remember them releasing it in the crowd and everyone cheering and booing and shit. And people remembered it on Twitter. It wasn't a nightmare I had. Somebody brought in their own Smitty banner and raised it. And I remember them trying to fish it out of the rafters of Rexall Place from the media row because they're like, we can't have an off-brand Smitty banner just floating in the audience. (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. I'm like, who went to the trouble of getting helium in here? Like, well done. How would that? Yeah, that's, I mean, not something that could happen nowadays. Can you imagine? You got to fake an oxygen tank. You (laughs) got to fake the whole situation. Uh You come in wheelchair. Oxygen tank mm-hmm. turns out the wheelchair is the banner and the oxygen tank is helium. <laughs> the wheelchair is the banner. Yeah, it's like a transformer. It transforms. You pull uh, the back down. It says uh, ninety four. Bingo, bango. You're up in the rafters. That's how it goes. Try to bring any inert gas into an arena now. You won't get far. Um, Chalmers <laughs> just said in our group chat, "Lost track of time can come today." But I just noticed he said that like 10 minutes ago and he still isn't showing up. So that's interesting. He's in a Kwanzaa. Yep. Still in that little backyard bunker of his. Mm-hmm. What other players from the Oilers would you like to see deep dives on their careers like that 18 minute video? Nuge eventually. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let's ignore the current day cats. So, so what are we talking about? Just any time up till now? Any Pre-conner? inactive Oiler. Any inactive Oiler. I think some of the hometown guys would be interesting. Like guys that, would, uh, that kind of grew up around the area, like Fernando Pisani, he didn't mean as much necessarily as Ryan Smith did overall, but he had that, that one glorious spring run that everybody still remembers. Fernando's probably a great one actually. And so that, I got into an argument over Cujo and I realized how bitter I am at Cujo. Those were different times. Hey, I was interesting to even, again, Cam covered it in that video where it's just like all these guys left and it wasn't because necessarily that they didn't want to be in Edmonton. They just couldn't afford it. 
I remember seeing Cujo after he left. Yeah, he signed as a UFA with Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him at the Outback Steakhouse across the street from the mall, like the day after we found out he was leaving, oh, right? God. And like, he's a very good man, Cujo. You even see, like, he wrote a book on retirement, very happy guy, blah, blah, blah. The tension in the Outback Steakhouse as Cujo had, like, his goodbye Edmonton dinner with his family was, like, so thick you could cut it with a chainsaw. Everyone just kept looking over at him, and the entire restaurant was murmuring the entire time. Murmur, 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 murmur. And I'm like, damn you, Cujo, we had it all! Guy just wants to enjoy his blooming onion. <laughs> yeah, and then go to Toronto and make three million more U.S. per year, whatever reasonable thing he wanted. Yeah. I remember when the Oilers lost David Oliver. Do you remember that guy? Of course. He looked exactly like uh, Chandler Bing. Hey, that's interesting. Yeah. He had like a, I don't remember the numbers here, Coombs, or Coombs, your M checks that don't correct me here, but uh, I believe he had like a 14 goal campaign or some shit for the Oilers. And then the Rangers are just like, yoink, we'll take you for 50 grand or some bullshit. 16 goals and 20 goals, Wanye. Wow. And then we lost him to the Rangers, baby. Yeah, 1995-96, he scored 20 goals. We couldn't even afford to keep a 20-goal scorer in those days. We had to hope every oiler was good, but not too good. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> the next season he went to the Rangers. And then he was terrible, right? Because he was making so much money, right? Yep, fell off. That was He didn't come anywhere close to that ever again. I would love, actually, and this is probably longer than a 20-minute story one, yeah, but just to look back on all the different, kind of like Bag Milk said, the hometown guys, but put them in one story and make the angle of it. Like the pressures of playing for Edmonton. Like what's the excitement level when you first sign that deal? Like, is it something a player would have wanted earlier in their career and, you know, getting a chance to do it. I'm sure that first summer after you sign here, like in the case of an Andrew Ferentz, it's just nothing but excitement and positivity and like, Oh, I'm coming home. You do all this media. You're touted as a hero, the hometown kid. And then when shit goes bad, a la Andrew Ferentz, how much uglier is it compared to maybe when things would have gone bad in a different city and it is in your hometown and people don't know you and your family doesn't watch the TV and listen to the radio every day in that, in that spot. Right. One of the things that we've determined in looking through old content is like the media here is insanely harsh and they seem to build players up with like crazy expectation. And some of the puff piece articles now, when you look back and see how they're like, you know, JF Jock is here to save Alex Hemsky, right? And then they put these guys on unreasonable pedestals. And then if they sign a big ticket deal, first of all, I would say virtually no oiler with the exception of Connor McDavid has ever signed a big ticket deal in Edmonton and not just been mercilessly attacked in the press afterwards. It is crazy the shit that five or six people in the press have gotten away with saying about newly signed Oilers. It's like sure to destabilize you. If you read this shit, if you're in mid late 1990s, early O's Oiler, the shit they were saying about you in the newspaper is crazy. And I wonder like looking at that over 20 years, just like the pump and dump of how many Oilers and like the narrative that fans run people out of town. Generally, the fan sentiment turns on a player after a fairly pronounced beating in the newspapers we've found. I think that's another interesting angle to this story and, and an interesting tie into the Smith trade and, and the connection to Oilers Nation is back then it would have just been, you know, the newspaper, the radio, the TV, right? 
And now you flash forward to what we are as Oilers Nation and like we're a major part of the media. And then what happens on the site and in our comment sections and on social media under stuff we post is a big part of fan discussion, right? So that's another interesting tie in is now you can go, oh, the media in Edmonton so hard on the fans or sorry, so hard on the players. But now that the fans are on social media and the fans are so engaged in, in stuff and every fan can give their opinion to X amount of people whenever they want, it's it's more like, you know, the fan base is tough on the players. But that's true in countless markets around the league. Well, and not only that, but like the subset of people who talk on social media are usually of a certain type, right? And they're generally apt to give their two bits on the most contentious issues or players of the day, right? And they kind of go from player to player, crapping or praising them as they are. But like these back in the day articles, especially like Kenny said, there is much more control over sentiments. Like he is paid four times as much as the CEO of Melkor. Hence, this is a terrible contract. It just strikes me as like (laughs) reckless with player sentiment and like fan sentiment and shit just to rile people up. I'm going to compare all future free agents to Jeff Bezos and show how much of a bargain they are relative to how much he has. How are you going to offer Michael Nylander this kind of money? That's 87 teacher salaries. Like, huh? Yeah. That's 87 teacher salaries. It is weird. You're, you're not comparing apples to apples there at all. No. And it just seems to me designed to either get people to dislike the player du jour that the author wanted him to like, or it's like strangely, you know, Justin Schultz is a prime example. Was there any need on his way in for people to suggest Justin Schultz could win the Norris? No. Right. And they're like trying to make him out to be like the greatest you are a free agent signing and all this crazy shit. They just put this poor motherfucker on a pedestal. And then when he signed like a reasonable deal, he was train tracked out of town. Or when he put on the train tracks and ran out of town, right? Like it was a wild bring him in under huge hype only to turn around and use that same energy to destroy him on the way out of town. It's very strange. It's not the fans reflect for fuck's sakes. But I mean, then it's a reflection on us. Cause again, like we do a lot of articles, hyping players up. We do a lot of podcasts. Did we ever call Justin Schultz a Norris candidate? No. And I don't think we run players down at Oilers nation. We shouldn't at least. Except Mike Smith. There you go. <laughs> and Duncan Keith. What's that? I would say, like, I'm just thinking about what you're saying. I would say a guy that's taking heat right now at ON, it'd be Mike Smith takes a lot of heat right now. Do we, like, well, we, okay. Do we rag on him, like, comparing his salary to that at Melkor? No, that, no that's no, the no. funny, that's, that's the, the part the, I'm that's laughing a weird about. One. That. That's, that's yeah. just weird to me. That's a weird comparison. Yeah. That, and again, I'd be like if I sat down in a negotiation with the nation and was like, listen, in his fourth year, um, you know, Leon Dreisaitl started making eight and a half mil. So I would like my salary to match something. Well, you of can that. see old Jimmy Matheson starting to turn on Dreisaitl. Uh, there's always been a little tinge of that, right? There's always been a little I tinge. I also think of- there's some history there. Really? What happened? <laughs> I just don't think, <laughs> I just don't think that Leon likes a lot of those guys very much based on allegedly in my opinion, I don't blame what I've been told. Mm. Mm. You know, what was strange is like, Wow, the Oilers really treated Smitty like shit. We've sure learned a lot, though, now. We live in an era where goalies be trading their hockey sticks in the crowd for stuffed animals and shit. Then you look at Vicky Perlini today being like, I had to text my son he was waved. Yeah, that was a weird one, hey? Vicky Perlini coming out saying that she had to let Brendan know he was on waivers. 
Now, is this sometimes players get waived and they're still in the lineup and I don't quite understand how it works. Like, is this a waivers where he's leaving the Oilers? He'll still be in the lineup tomorrow night. I, I, if I had to bet, I would say it's the latter. I, I think this is something where you put him on waivers today and you're trying to squeak him through, which I think he should. I can't imagine anyone claims Brandon, Brendan Perlini. Um, and then he's, he's roster flexible for the next month, right? You can move him up and down. You can do little paper transactions. You can create some cap so is space. It supremely if you rude not to tell him that's happening. Is it supremely rude? Hmm. Or is his mom overreacting and trying to tell his teacher off on Twitter? Like for all we know, the Oilers didn't skate till one o'clock, right? So maybe the team was like, "Ah, we'll talk to him when he gets to the rink here and be like, hey, it's paper transaction. You're going on waivers, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know enough about how about like the inner workings of an NHL team. Like maybe they could have given him a ring and been like, hey, you're going to see your name go up on waivers in an hour. Like, don't worry about it. Please be at practice in an hour. I don't know. I don't really understand it because like back in the maybe I've just remembering things wrong but like it used to be a guy was placed on waivers and you never saw him again yeah but now with the cap it's just i mean a totally different beast right and especially this close to the deadline you're trying to keep money available blah 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 duncan keith could come back tomorrow um so like they just need more roster flexibility i think hmm. yeah well, uh before so- we keep- Go ahead. No, Before we keep moving on, got to give some love to our friends over at Twig and Berries, twigandberries.ca, home of Nutsack Underwear. If you don't have a pair, they are very comfy. I'm actually wearing mine now. It's always a nice tie-in when I get to do this ad read while I talk about the Nutsack Underwear. Um, they also have their own line, Twig and Berries Underwear, which look fantastic. Twigandberries.ca, promo code NATION15, gets you 15% off. Enter in your Amtrak 15 and you can get his underwear from today. Jeez, no. <laughs> your Amtrak 15. Uh, Going to keep uh, humming along here on the Real Life Podcast. What else you got going on, Wanye? Me? Yeah. Me, I don't know. Uh, I saw a great picture of Wanye Jr. the other night enjoying the game. Oh, yeah. Poor little guy, eh? I'm trying to explain all the Oilers stuff to him, and he really doesn't care. Just <laughs> because he doesn't speak English. It's too soon. I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, let's watch an 18-minute Smith documentary. And he's wiggling around. He doesn't care. Poor little guy. Um, I have a niece who is uh, older than Wanye Jr., um, and she was at, we just went to my parents house for lunch the other day and to watch uh, the Oilers game. And she like she's just started talking, um, but she was saying the word hockey like while the game was on TV. And it was just freaking adorable. And if like the commercials came on, she'd kind of like look over the TV or like if I turned off the TV, she'd look over and be like, hockey, hockey. And you have to like turn it back on or like wait for the game to come back on. It was hilarious. Wanya Jr., uh, what is he closing on 17 months? He won't speak and he won't walk. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. And as he goes along and as I'm like, look, let's watch the Oilers game. And there was two matinees this weekend. and He's like arching his back and refusing to look at the TV and shit. I'm like, (laughs) this guy is his own man. What am I going to do? Fair enough. So I tried to watch a game with him and he was not having it. He didn't care about the hurricanes. He didn't care about Smitty Day. He's his own dog. He wants to eat cheese. I respect that. Me too. Pretty good cheese. I mean, a cheese string is pretty delicious. I won't, I'll grant you that. I've done a lot of content about cheese lately. So you have. I'm, I'm really into this conversation. Actually, <laughs> cheese strings. I will murder those. I do. Two you love at a cheese. Time. What's going on? Yeah, like at a I time just, as in like 
unwrap them all at once and bite into them all at once on biting. No, no, no. <laughs> I do the thing. I'll peel little strips off. Uh, th- what I've been doing on better late than never one is just talking about things that when you were a kid that you maybe ate a lot of or whatever, and you not really understanding how much it cost. So for me, the story was always cheese. I would just snap off a piece off the brick and just chow down. And my dad would be like, you need to stop doing that or I will throw you in the river. And I didn't understand why. And it's because as I get older, you find out that a block of cheese is $6,000 and you're like, Oh, okay. Well that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. I remember one time going over to my buddy Josh's house when we were in junior high and he went into his fridge. Do you remember tub cheese, like cracker barrel tub cheese? No. So this was like a sharp cheddar that came in its own like margarine container. Kind of like a cheese. And was? The cheese did, yeah. Like it came in. Its but was it like plastic. spreadable, or was it like a hard brick of cheese? No, it was like just- a hard cheese, right? And you just like okay. shave it off or whatever. It's like a sharp cheddar. Anyways, my buddy Josh takes me around his whole house, and then ends with, and as you can see here, and he pulls the tub of cheese out. We are rich. <laughs> I'm like, damn, you got that tub of cheese money. <laughs> How dare he flex his rich. cheese money on you? We are rich and he sets down the tub of cheese on the table. Well, that was like when I had Gregor on the podcast and I asked him about cheese and he pulled out some of the fanciest cheeses I've ever seen. JG doesn't fuck around. Oh, I'm sure. He saves all that money on combs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hair product. Got that cheese money. Got all that cheese money. Delish. <laughs> so what do you, you talk about your favorite kinds of cheese or just general things as a kid that you no longer eat? Just things that you ate as a kid that you didn't realize how expensive they were. Another thing is, uh, Caroline said uh, almonds, something she loves as an adult, but she's like, man, a bag of almonds is really, really? expensive. I've and I'm the re- same thing with pistachios. I oh. love them, but you'll miss a mortgage payment if you eat too many of them. Yeah, pistachios are expensive. But when I was a kid, if we ever had pistachios, I'd down the entire bag, not thinking twice about it. Mm-hmm. Rude. Sub in pumpkin seeds. Yeah, you're a big I'm, pumpkin seed guy. I'm I've learned murder pumpkin seeds. I always, like 24, every day of the week, I have a bag in my car and I'll just have it there while I drive and I'll just be crushing them while I drive. Like I'll spits. go to like, yeah, like Spitz pumpkin seeds, not sunflower yeah. seeds. They yeah. got to be the big, thick pumpkin ones. And I just crush those. I'll go through, yeah, like a bag a week just while I'm driving, just popping them in while I go. Kind of like Chalmers in that way. You're big. You like to mange while you're eating, huh? Or you're while you're driving. Yeah. I'm, you know, I have a very short attention span, so I have to keep myself kind of like engaged doing a few different things while I drive so that, you know, my, dis- you should it, just it, drive, man. You should just drive safely. Yeah, That's enough for safely. one person to do one. <laughs> just drive. Well, I was watching season two of whatever on Netflix while I was driving and I don't know what happened. Got in a car accident. Not, I don't go on my phone, but you know, like keeping like eating while I go. It just keeps me more engaged in the road. It doesn't allow my mind to wander as quickly. Have a nice fondue while you're on the yellowhead table. Your trail yeah, he's just melting cheese in his like cup plug, holder. Plugged into the fucking Ooh, like Gouda. cigarette lighter. Yeah, delish. <laughs> your cigarette lighter is your fondue machine. <laughs> I always thought it was funny. The cars that now have coolers in them or like little yeah. fridges in the center console. That seems like a bad idea to me. And also like what you need your like of the things you're drinking. What, you want your water to be like yeah. extra cold? Do you always need to have cold water? Maybe if you're an Uber water? driver. I like when an Uber driver gives me a cold bottle of water. I do like that too, but I just think like, yeah. What are you the- taking Uber select there, Mr. Zuckerberg? What the hell's going on? No, this has only happened to me once and I'll never forget it because I just got an, I ordered a normal Uber, but I got an Uber Excel. So a guy showed up in an Audi and he had a cooler of water 
in the front seat and he said, do you want one? And he gave me a nice cold bottle of water on my way home from the pint. And it was very memorable to me. And it's only happened once. When I went to Arizona, I was outside the airport waiting for my Uber or looking to call an Uber. And it was whatever, like 32 bucks for a normal Uber or 28 for an Uber black. So I got this guy picks me up in like a blacked out Lincoln SUV. It was sick. What the hell? How could that be cheaper? Makes no sense. I think it's just general like demand of vehicles in the area and and who's available and who's close. So like this guy was close and it was $4 cheaper. So I did it. And like he comes out and he grabs my bags for me and loads them all up and offers me the bottle of water. There's a phone charger. It was very, very bougie. Sometimes I think about Uber and how it just goes exactly against the lessons we learned as a child of getting into a stranger's vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, they just got to be a good driver. Like you're totally putting your life in their hands Mm -hmm. in all moments. I thought it's like Airbnb. I was watching. There's so many Airbnb ads on TV right now. Mm -hmm. And like, if you explained Airbnb to somebody from 1990, (laughs) they would start shrieking hysterically. No, no, we want, you're going to get some future in your house. uh Your phone is basically a glass cube you carry in your pocket. Okay. And you can just check into your neighbor's house like a fucking hotel. What? (laughs) The Airbnb I had when I was in Arizona. I'm not sure if I talked about this on the pod. It was the worst Airbnb experience I've had. Why? Go on. So on the Airbnb site, this place has five reviews and they're all five stars. So it must have been a fairly new Airbnb to only have five reviews, right? Um the pictures all look great. There's like a courtyard, a pool. It's a little like a uh, condo. It looked sh- like staged very nicely in the photos. You walk in, there is nothing on the walls, like no de- decor. There's like shelves built into the walls too. Nothing on them at all. Um, the walls are like marked up rather severely. Like someone in some areas just like took a big desk and like jammed it up against the wall a bunch of times, marked it up, dented the wall, then was like, well, let's get That's rid of this. Probably where all the pictures went to that same party. Probably the TV is hung <laughs> at, I wouldn't say a 45 degree angle, but like it's a, it's a solid 15 to 20 degrees slanted and off hmm. while it's mounted to the wall. They had a Roku that like one of those little Roku boxes plugged in. But since again, there was not really a lot of shelves or decor, there was nowhere to put it. So it just dangled suspended from the sideways TV dangling Roku. <laughs> yeah. You walk in five stars, question mark. <laughs> exactly. You walk in and the first thing that comes to your mind is, wow, this place reeks like cat litter. And as you would go into like the bedroom or the one bedroom, the smell of cat litter just got worse. Almost like they had just cats living in this place for a while. Oh, no, you're Chuck. I'm putting all these pieces together. <laughs> Big party markings, <laughs> nothing on the walls, cat litter. I think you stayed where they had a furry orgy. Potentially. Yeah. Um, they only Dirty left Mike us. The boys. There was four of us and two bathrooms. We were oh. there for a week. They only oh. left us two rolls of toilet paper. Wow, that's all you need. So we love toilet paper. So we had to go out and like buy more. They it around. They advertised in-room washer and dryer, but didn't leave us laundry detergent or anything. So we also had to go buy that. Um, And then they also only left us one garbage bag. So like when we had to change the garbage out on three days, we had to go (laughs) buy more garbage bags. Toilet paper to throw in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was, it was just an absolute shit show. Uh, The pool, the pool pool was, so there was a pool and a hot tub. Uh, the first night we got there a little bit later, it was like eight o'clock. So it's dark, kind of chilly. So we're like, Oh, let's go use the hot tub. So we like our little group goes, gets changed, walk down to the hot tub, put your foot in. You're like, Oh no, this is cold. It's not warm at all. 
It was like colder than the pool. So then the next day we go and it's drained. There's now no more water. The third day we go and the hot tub, you can see it's steaming, but the door is padlocked at nine o'clock at night. So you mm. couldn't use it, even though that was the first night it was finally clearly warm. Um, so that was a failing grade. Uh, there was this little outdoor pool table area. And hold on. Know, what? Like to play snooker? Yeah. Like you could go play pool and it was, it was covered, but outdoor. it was like, outdoor. it was covered, but it was outdoors. So we're sitting there we're like, oh, that's cool. Let's go do it. Um, there's no rack to rack up the balls. And the pool table was just in terrible shape. Like it was hard as concrete. It was brutal. So we're trying to find the rack for these balls and we open up a drawer and there was just a dead mouse in the drawer. So the, you know, it wasn't in there. Um, <laughs> the only part that was, that was a cue ball. Yeah. There was another indoor lounge with a pool table, which was actually nice. Um, it was one of the only nice parts of this Airbnb, but Airbnbs are a gamble because like that place, all five star reviews, pictures look great, show up. And it was nothing but terribleness after terribleness. How many stars did you give it? One. Five. Oh, we're in the streak. One? Yeah, fuck them. Everything Damn sucked. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, man. Fair and enough. And my thinking was, because we had this debate, we're like, oh, like, is it rude to give like a one-star review, blah, blah, blah. And I was Not like, no, because we got fucked. All the other people that gave this place five stars or the furries that destroyed it gave it five uh, stars. Uh, good, good, good. And they in turn screwed us. So while, yes, maybe we're screwing over the people who rent this place, we're not, we're not helping out future people coming on vacations here because they'll be like, oh, it smells like cat piss. And when you open up the little furnace room, the <laughs> air filter is just straight black because it hasn't been changed in a couple of years. Yeah, it was terrible. Well, anyways, that's my right thing. Your M Jack, I think you did the right thing. But then there's been times like I went to Toronto and I got an Airbnb, $90 right across the street from the baseball stadium, which is why I was going there. So like $300 a night cheaper than most of the hotels in the area. And like hot tub was perfect. We show up there and it's just like a young guy. He's like, Hey, like, welcome to Toronto. I got you some champagne and orange juice in the fridge. to like get your trip started Ooh, off. Awesome. Right. And like, it was awesome. It was one of the best spots I ever stayed at. I would stay there every time I go to Toronto if I could, mm -hmm. but sometimes it, it is just a huge gamble. Kind of like Uber in that sense as well. Sometimes you get an Uber driver who's like a great guy, good to chat with. And sometimes you get someone who's like, going 95 miles an hour on the freeway in a minivan. And you're like, Oh boy, I might die today. If I was going to have an extra feature on my Uber, it would be before I get into the car, there would be an option if you want to talk to them or not. So when you get Uber black in the States, yeah. a little option pops up and it goes, do you want conversation? What do you want the temperature set at? Oh, that's nice. And you like, I want things. lots of conversation and I want it to be piping hot. Yeah. I want to be sweaty and musky in here. Yeah. Hotter and louder conversation. Yeah. When, uh, when I got new an Airbnb in Arizona, it was like early ish in the morning. So it was only like 21 degrees and I get in and I'm kind of like a little chilly. So I like looked at the guy and I was like, Hey, can you turn off the AC? And he looked and he was like, yeah, you're cold. eh?" And then he just cranked the AC. Cause I think he thought I was, <laughs> I think he thought I was kidding. Like the AC wasn't on enough. So I'm like, Hey, you know, pretty cold in here, but it was cold. And then I just had to sit there with like the vents on me. Cause I was too scared to be like, Hey man, actually I meant turn it off. I'm cold. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. Wanya, I'm looking out the window here. Uh, we're at the studio at nation HQ. I gotta, yeah. I gotta say, I don't know who's designing the dog patch hoodies that some of the staff are wearing, but they're really nice. Oh, not me. I never even heard. Well, we need dog patch hoodies, my friend. Hmm. Stylish. <laughs> Not only is the food what is it, delicious, the logo? What do you what do you see and what's it look like? It just says big do dog patch and cool lettering across the back. Nice. Casual. I like it. I like nice. it a lot. 
I'm going to get lunch here today. Mm. Delicious downstairs. I haven't eaten a dog patch in a minute. Get the stew. We Check thank you for your patronage. The stew in the bread bowl is where it's at. I always see Waz is a big stew in the bread bowl guy. Saw him eating that last week. Unrelated. I, went for I always, let's just have a little gossip about Waz here for a second on the air. So no one will hear. Sure. I always think Waz is like 16 and on an internship. <laughs> and then occasionally he'll drop shit on social. I'm like, how old is Waz? He's like 26, right? Yeah, something like that. I think he's 25. Or is he younger than me? I don't remember. I don't, no, no, you're, I can't you're still like your bloody, your soul age and your calendar age are completely mismatched. You're yeah, 20 you're, years older than me. Yeah, Fair. you're 23. How old are you? 24. 24 going on 60. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have the hubris and grumpiness of a guy who's seen it all, and you have not seen it all. Yeah. I went to bed last night at 9.30. Good for you. And I, I had to wake up at 7.30 for work. Like, that's a full 10 hours of sleep. And I still woke up, and I was like, God, I could sleep more. <laughs> this is too early for me. Well, you've been everywhere and done everything. That's what I say. I suppose when you're sitting at the All-Star game asking questions of Connor McDavid, you can round your age up. Yeah. I'm always nervous in those scenarios that I just look like an out of place toddler that people are looking at me being like, <laughs> Oh, you're a baby. You shouldn't be. Yeah. You don't know how to fit in. So you just wore all your suits at once. <laughs> and they all look like they're my dad's suit. <laughs> have you ever had a fitted suit? Like it's nice. It's a nice mm. experience. I haven't, but I should. That's on my list. Yeah. I think you should, especially little. if you go in these fancy events. I know. You know, you should get a suit sponsor your MJ. You should just go yeah, to like yeah, Mr. Yeah, Dirk yeah. or somebody and be like, Bitch, I went to the all-star game. Give me three suits. Yeah. Indochino. And you could have like the monogram, like the inside that's all custom. Mm-hmm. I'd like that. Get like a bunch of daily face-off logos in there. Why do you, what kind you of dress clothes do you your got? face smiling and tile it as the inside of your suits. That would be amazing. I'd, be I'd absolutely, I'd wear that. Why what kind of dress clothes do you got? I don't. Me neither. I have zero. I have zero dress clothes. No. Really? If you want to invite me None. to a fancy event, we don't know each other. Goodbye. Like I've got a wedding to go to this year, this summer. No, your own. And I have to buy a suit for it or something, or I'm going to just show up in a Tommy Bahama shirt and flip flops. It's not a bad. That's the one thing though. Weddings. There's always like, you can go to a wedding, depending on the wedding, a good star Trek wedding that always holds water with me. Sometimes you have low (laughs) casual weddings, low formality weddings, all good. Right. Yeah. If you go to a formal wedding and you show up with like a t-shirt and jeans on, you are disrespecting the bride and groom. That's right. And that's what this one is that I'm going to. It's a little bit fancier. So I kind of you gotta dial it in. Yeah. I don't think I can just go in the dark jeans and like a collared shirt, uh, black dress pants, black turtleneck, gold chain, like the rock. Oh yeah. Or turtleneck and blazer. That's always fresh too. Right. I, it's not a bad look. Maybe that's what I I remember when I got an office job, there was a point in my life where I wanted to work downtown, have a suit on every day, have a briefcase, all that shit. And I got my office job and I went to the suit place and I got five suits, one for every day of the week, of course. And about three weeks into it, I was like, I am dying. This tie feels like a noose around my neck. And the guy I work with is like, yep, 40 more years of this and you can retire. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I had a meeting with one of my buddies. One of my best friends is an accountant. And I went to his office and he was wearing a cute little suit. And I walked in just wearing what I always do. And I was just like, we are living in different worlds, my friend. But I know what kind of shithead he is behind the scenes. 
He's that's always the nice. funny part, right? When you see your friends like in professional settings yeah. and you're like here, like we don't really have a lot of professional settings here. Yes, we no. do. This is I very mean, professional. everything is just like wear nation gear and whatnot, but I always get a chuckle when I like see one of my buddies out in the wild and they're like dressed fancier. They're with work folk. And you're like, oh man, you are, I saw you shotgun eight beers last weekend. The worst thing is those pointy shoes they all have to wear. You know, they're so mm-hmm. shiny and pointy. And what struck it. me when I joined the office set was how, a lot of them treated people who weren't wearing suits when you were rolling around in society. I think that was more my issue, right? Yeah. If you want to wear a suit, that's all power to you. But then when you walk in, you're like, hey, we're suit guys. Can we sit near the blah, blah, blah? Like, I don't know about this. I think what I need to do is I need to get a suit and wear it at the most inappropriate situations. There's a guy, uh, Friedman, Lex Friedman. You know that guy? No. Uh -uh. Podcaster, always talks to Joe Rogan. What? Lex Friedman. He's a physicist. Computer scientist is what I got here. Oh, he's like kind of Zuckerbergian. Like he's a little bit on the old, ye old spectrum. And yeah. all he does is wear the same black suit with a black tie and a new white dress shirt. And he said, because he wears it every single day. He's like, if I wore the same t-shirt and jeans every day, everyone would call me a bum. I literally wear the exact same suit until it's time to get a new one. And everyone thinks I'm, dressed to kill it is funny i'm just looking through the images right now and he is just wearing a standard black tie black suit mm. but it looks like he's dressed to the nines sure yeah. well that's kind of so like uh, his case is if you're really lazy and you really don't want to put any thought into dressing just wear a suit and tie every single day the same one well i always kind of appreciated the steve jobs mark zuckerberg uniform for life thing where it's just black tee jeans and that's kind of it yeah i agree um, speaking of stuck up people, I, uh, I went to the casino this weekend and oh, well, that doesn't sound like you No, Yeah. Right. doesn't sound like me. So me and a group of buddies, we were, do, we were at, like one, even your leisure time revolves around gambling. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, an exhausting day of gambling on sports. <laughs> gambling on so me and my buddies went to my one friend's house. He lives like two minutes from the St. Aubrey casino and we went out of fire in his backyard um, and then we're kind of sitting there and it was like, you know, 1130 and it was getting cold. So we're like, oh, let's go inside. And the girlfriends were like, oh, we're going to go watch a movie. And we're like, perfect. Well, the group of us are going to head to the casino. So see you later, ladies. Um, so we went to the casino and there's five of us. So we're sitting playing blackjack and there's eight square or eight circles on the blackjack table. Actually, no lie. Seven squares on the blackjack table. One of my buddies had left to go play slots. And this guy walks up and was like, there's three tables open at the St. Albert Casino, three blackjack tables. This guy sits down and was like, can you guys shift down? I want to play three hands at a time. Here we go. Big timer. Keep in mind, the table minimum is $10. And my friends and I are there to just have a good time. So we're all playing. Max bet if you do two squares, right? You have have to do more than the minimum if you're going to play two squares, I think is the rule. Okay. Or at least that's the rule as I understand it. So this guy sits down, we all shift down playing our 10, $15 hands. And he just immediately, he's got at least $75 on each of his squares. Um, I feel like this angers you. Why is this anger you? Oh, I'll get to why it's angering me. So <laughs> this guy sits down and one of my buddies didn't really know how to play blackjack. Hadn't played a lot before. So he was just kind of asking us questions like, Hey, do I hit on this? Yeah. Do I not? And we're kind of telling him, cause you know, sometimes there's hands like when you have a 16 on a six, I, I, choice, baby. Yeah. Like I never hit on that. Cause I'm like the chances of me getting a bus card, I think are high. I'm just, I always wave on that. I try to let the dealer bust or, or sorry, you should always wave on that. If it's a 16, even on a 10, I usually don't hit. Um, and this guy sitting at the end of the table, just fucking barking the whole time. Like, don't do that. What are you thinking? Why would you do that? Think about that a little, like shouting out things like that all the time. 
So we kind of keep playing. And uh, there was one point where, again, like my buddy had a 13 and the dealer had a 17 and my buddy hits and whatever. The guy didn't like our strategy at some point. So he was just kind of like, you know, there's a reason you guys aren't making any money. And we were like, all right, buddy, like, fuck off. At this point, he's probably down like two grand in the first 20 what? minutes of us playing together. Like he's throwing $500 down after $500 down, just a lot of hundreds in his pocket. And this guy's like getting mad at us whenever he would lose money. And we're just like trying to joke around and like have somewhat of a good time. And at one point he called over the pit boss and was like, I need my own table. And they were like, we don't have enough dealers for you, man. Um, so we had lost out. Everyone except for one of my buddies had lost out. He's sitting there. My friend has a 15 dealer has a 12 and uh, this guy has an 11. So my buddy's like mulling, mulling and my buddy's like, no, no, like I'm going to stay. This guy hits eventually busts and like throws his hands in the air and is like, <laughs> you aren't playing to win. You should be leaving this table. You aren't playing to win and you don't know how to play blackjack. And this guy just fucking melts down on my buddy and has like an entire temper tantrum. And then my buddy got up and left and this guy like threw down another $500 cause he had lost his money. And it just oh. got me really fired up. Cause I was like, man, if you want to play fucking 400 to $500 a hand, don't come to the St. Albert Casino and play the $10 minimum table. Like, Jesus Christ. It was wild. I've never seen a guy like I've seen people get mad like once in a while at a blackjack table. But like to have a fucking like public meltdown about it was unbelievable. Unreal. There's no bigger mark of a loser than somebody who's losing at gambling and is spazzing. Like it's our fault, right? Like, of course, you're going to lose. You fucking idiot. I think they pay for all the lights in this place because people win. It was, yeah. And then for him to be like, this is why you don't win. I was like, I wanted to be like, man, you're not winning. And you're, you yeah, think you're employing good strategy. More money than all of us put together. It looks like we're doing all right. It was fucking wild to watch this guy. The just fun thing to do when you have a guy at the table who's spazzing out like that is dither over decisions. You know, the answer to anyways, right? Like you're sitting on 20 and then like pretend like you thinking about splitting, even though you wouldn't people like that'll go unhinged. That's a that's a great play. That's, that's what we should have done. a great troll. I would have. I should have like, said. I don't know. Move. Should I split queens? They're like split queens? What the fuck? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I think I saw a movie once with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Before we wrap up, uh, that night when I went out and had a few drinks, you know what I had before I went out? Oodle uh -oh. noodle. I had uh, Tokyo Glaze double beef. And, oh. uh, it was fantastic. And I had a little bit left over the next morning as well to help with my hangover. So, uh, shout out to the oodle noodle in St. Albert. It's becoming one the of my new one in spots. the, uh, oh, 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 by the Costco there. Yep. Aaron Ridge. That's my yeah, spot. You know it. It's my spot. Um, it was All fantastic. Right. And if you want oodle noodle and you don't want to go get it, our friends at DoorDash can yeah. hook you up. Promo code real life pod gets you 25% off. Buy the St. Albert oodle noodle in order to your end check. It's a Kung Pao with a 21 blackjack. <laughs> It's actually the, the Urem trick if you order it is they deal you one hand of blackjack. And if you win, your meal's free. If you lose, your meal's double. You know what we should do, Urem trick? Would you object to making a Tyler Urem trick oodle noodle box design? That'd be awesome. I'd love that. And it's just your face on one side with a speech balloon that's like, I love oodle noodle. And then the other side is your head again with a, something funny that we said, like as though you didn't know we were going to do it on the other side. Yeah, like some sort of weird Oilers quote that I've said or something like that, or like a good podcast quote. I think that'd be hilarious. And I'd then promote the hell out of it. Chuck on both sides. That yeah, would yeah. be a funny box. We got to come up with some noodle noodle box designs. I'm like, I want to come up with some weird ones. That'd be funny. A Uram Chuck. 
I would order that every day, Tyler. Aw. You're welcome. And then we could we'll just give be like a- put in a fake fact like Tyler Remchuk, 2008 UNESCO World Heritage Site. <laughs> How can a person be a World Heritage Site? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's on a noodle box. They make 50,000 of them. It's got to be true. Uh, before we wrap up the pod, I want to talk a little bit more hockey. It's a big week mm. for our Edmonton Oilers. They are in Philadelphia tomorrow to take on a Flyers team that quite frankly sucks. Um, And then on Thursday, they're in Chicago to take on a Blackhawks team that quite frankly sucks. And then Saturday, they're home to a Montreal team that quite frankly sucks. Six points. We get in the sweep. What do you think? I think you have to. You need to. I think this week. They did pretty well against that last road trip. It was looking pretty dire. I think they did pretty well. They did do well. I mean, they obviously stole the game in Florida. Miko Miko goalied the Panthers on that one. And I think like. That kind of balanced out what happened on Wednesday against Tampa. Yep. And then yesterday was a toss-up in the fact that the Oilers... I mean, I wasn't bummed out about yesterday's loss at all. No. No. Second half of back-to-back, Carolina's really good, missing key pieces, plus you were missing McDavid for the first, you know... Plus it was Smitty Day. Plus Smitty Day. In Carolina. Wild. So... You know they're not going to win on Smitty Day because of the Smitty curse. I think that you got to win all three this week. That's two. And then Calgary is the next one to kick off next week. I think that's Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it's Monday. You're in Calgary. So, I mean, out of these three this week, I think you need to get six points. Like I just, anything less than six points would leave me feeling a little disappointed. You look at where they are right now. They're tied with Dallas for the last playoff spot. And they have a, they've played one more game than the Dallas stars mm-hmm. as well. The hell, I thought we had so many games in hand over everybody. They're gone. And the Oilers also play 15 games in March. So like by the end of this month, they're probably going to have played more than a lot of other teams. Edmonton also, they're one point back of Vegas and four points back of LA. Now you're four points back of the LA Kings who have won five in a row somehow. Yeah, that's annoying. It's not looking great. Like you need to start racking up some wins. They're six and three under Jay Woodcroft. You need to play it basically a six out of every nine games pace for the rest of the year. They got 29 games left. I think you need 18 wins to make the playoffs. 17 wins maybe gets you in the playoffs. Out of 29, 17 or 18 out of 29 games. Yeah, that's what it'll take. We got this. this. We got this. It's going to be hard. You play Colorado three times as well. Those are going to be tough, tough games. Um, A couple head-to-heads this month against Calgary, though, is going to be an interesting one. Because if you can go, and they've played Calgary well this season. Right now, they're seven points back of the Flames. If you can win both of those head-to-heads against the Calgary Flames this month. Yep maybe that's a team who could come back down to earth for you. And, and maybe that's more realistic, but the way Calgary is going, going, that's going to be hard. It's going to be fascinating, man. They also play the LA Kings again in April. That's going to be a big game. They play them at the end of this month. So like two head to heads against LA, two head to heads against Calgary in the next 37 days. Oh, it's going to be a spicy finish for you. And I'm not, I want to leave personality and backstory out of this entirely. Okay. Okay. How do you think Evander Kane is doing? Good. I think he's yeah. kind of brought what you thought he would. There's a little bit of nastiness there. He's got yeah. a little bit of a scoring touch as well. Um, I know his yeah. numbers have been boosted up a little bit because of like an empty net goal and whatnot. But I mean, especially right now, like when you look at the injuries this team is going through, no Nuge, yeah. no Yamo, no Pugliarvi, their depth would be hurting even more if they didn't have a guy like Vander Kane, Evander Kane who could give you good minutes. Yeah. Fair enough. What you watching there, Bag Milk? Uh, I was just got a clip from Daily Faceoff, Tyler. Oh, nice, nice. Um, but yeah, like their depth is hurting right now. They are banged up. Oh, fuck, it's it's a little nerve wracking for me, honestly. It's gonna be close. It is. It's gonna be closer than we thought. 
I remember back in like November listening to the Gregor oh show. Oh my God. And Gregor I was, was getting my covering engraved. Right. And Gregor was like, Oilers fans, you're going to the playoffs. And then he had like all these stats. He was like, of all the teams who have ever gotten this many points in their first X amount of games, 97.5% of them or whatever his number was, make the playoffs. Oilers fans, you're going to the playoffs. And I remember sitting there being like, God, what a feeling. Playoffs are locked up and it's November. And I was like, God, the rest of the season's going to be a little boring, honestly. But then they lost what, like 11 of 13 or something? Yeah. And I'll they, never forget your Amtrak when I put the money puck prediction line. Remember how they had that pie chart or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah. February 2020. The Oilers have a 97% chance of making the playoffs. I put that up. I'm like, we did it, Brooklyn. And then we remember what happened. Even if you have a 100% chance, there's still ways shit can go sideways. Like you have a 97% chance to make the playoffs. Then they play three games the next 300 days. And then there's a global pandemic. Yikes. I don't believe in numbers. I don't even believe in most letters. Hmm. Big week for the Oilers. How would you handle the goaltending? Prayers. It's basically a coin toss if they're going to be good or generationally horrific. On I, Either of them are capable of turning in either performance any night. Yep. That's fair. I think you start. I've never go. seen one goalie this prone to being scored on on the first shot, let alone both. Um. Yeah. I, I would go Miko first, too. I, I still think like Smith had a 930 against Carolina. And he made a couple of nice saves, but that many- third goal, <laughs> that third goal was horrific. And the that fact that he got called back though. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, not good. And how many times here's what was really concerning for me about Smith. One, he turned over about three pucks from going out behind his own net to play him. That's not good. Also, how many times did he make a save and immediately snap his head back over his shoulders to like double check to make sure he had it? Like he's so not, many times, man. It was ridiculous. He's but like, why not did they just way. bring up Skinner? What the fuck? I don't know, man. I don't know what we're doing here. Like I thought, who, this is a Woodcroft call, correct? No, that'd be management. That wouldn't be calling up Skinner. Couldn't Woodcroft just go and be like, please give me the goalie with the mustache, not either of these two goofs? And Holland might just tell him you you play with the cards I've, I've given you. How much do Holland and Woodcroft talk? I don't think daily, but consistently. Hmm. Like, I don't think it's an everyday, everyday, like, uh, maybe it is. Maybe I'm not How giving the, that. What's really the dynamic like? I'm sure it's different in every team and every combination of coach and GM, but like, do they generally sit down and be like, what do you need, Joe? Send me up a D-man, Phil. Like, how does it work? I'm sure there is some communication like, hey, we need someone called up. Nuge is out. Who do you want? And Woodcroft would be like, hey, you know, I think we could probably use a PK guy. Like, give me Brad Malone. And Holland kind of goes like, yeah, we can make that work. I'd be like, the Nuge is out. Bring me Skinner. <laughs> they could they could run three goalies, too. Like, you could do that. <sighs> I would put both goalies on waivers. First, I'd tell Vicky Perlini that they're going on it. I would put <laughs> both goalies on waivers. And then if anybody miraculously didn't have to come back, be Skinner time. I wouldn't hate that idea either. You just, I just don't understand what they think they're saving by not throwing him in now as the starter. I think their line of thinking is that we've seen Smith get on runs over the last couple of years where he's fully healthy and he gives you 20 games of 920 save percentage. And I think their hope is let him play through what he's currently playing through. Let him deal it, deal with it, get his confidence back. And if he can give you 20 games of 920 save percentage starting this week or next week, 
you're going to the playoffs. I don't think that's the right decision. I'll that with a fictional story from a farm I've never lived on. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> so I used to live on this farm here, M. Chuck, right? Mm-hmm. And we had this horse we called Old Paint. And like 10 years ago, Old Paint would run and run and run. And we would sit on the fence and we would watch Old Paint run until the cows <laughs> came home. And he never got tired. And a little bit every year, Old Paint didn't quite have the same spring in his step. And you know what we did? We shot that horse in the head. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you know why? It's time to stop living in the past. Mike Smith, he ain't coming back. Old paint hadn't <laughs> run like this in years. <laughs> time to time to bring up a goalie with a mustache. Yeah. That mustache is- draws power. You draw power from the mustache. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. If Tippett had a mustache, he would still be coaching. True or false? Allow me. True. And now he's retired. How hard would it have been to convince Tippett to stick around if you're Holland? I was reading an article in the Arizona newspaper. It was like the um, Tippett saying he's retiring to the local guy that was nice to him when he was the coach of the Coyotes, right? Yep. Yep. And it's like, he has a mansion being built in Flagstaff. He has a mega house already in Arizona. Like, this guy probably retired three years ago. What the hell? He's not. He was. Why would you want to extend a guy who's like, I quit? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think the other, I, I had kind of heard this about Tippett. I'm pretty sure he bought real estate like during the like economic crisis in 08, 09. And now the shit he bought is worth like however many times it was worth when he bought it. Like he hit the jackpot in that sense. That wouldn't surprise me. Plus he's made millions as a coach. Yeah, that too. He's made a lot of money. as an he's NHL coach. Chill. Yeah. I do not blame anyone for having like a couple of nice places scattered around North America and going like, Hey, I did my thing. I'm good. I don't need this. Your M check identifies with the idle rich noted. Yep. Avoid the grind. Mm-hmm. You know, who doesn't have houses all around town in the world. Jay Woodcroft. You know mm-hmm. why he's been down the a earning nothing. He's, he's hungry on the grind. He hungry. Yeah. And now we're hoping he can lead the Oilers to a playoff berth. The team's if I was an Oiler though, so watching him strut up and down on the bench. I don't know, man. Sometimes he looks a little bit comical. I like it. Me too. I like that he's got. He's talking to the, the rats and he like summons them over and he puts his hand on his hip. It's kind of funny to me. I, I love his poses. The poses are fantastic to me. He's animated back there. He's hungry. He wants it. I remember hearing a story about an NHL coach who was on his last like leg with this team. He was at his wits end and he came into the dressing room at intermission and he kicked a bottle like a six pack of water bottles. And it hit like the side of the dressing room stall and bounced back. And basically they all splashed all over him. And the guy telling me the story was like, it took everyone's iron discipline not to start laughing. And the guy just went into the coach's room and slammed the door. And that was the end of his coaching career. <laughs> that I was always the think part. of that. Because remember when, who was it? Which Oilers coach kicked the bottles? They all splattered on him. Remember right around Taylor Hall? He squirted Taylor Hall the water bottle. That it was uh, it was Dallas Aikens and Taylor Hall threw the water bottle down and it splashed Aikens on the suit or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. And Aikens like stared him down. Yeah, that was hilarious. Oh, uh, Aikens was great. Maybe that's what I'm having shades of with Woodcroft, even though Woodcroft is good. But like Aikens just came in here with so much ridiculousness. And it just went over like a Kevin Federline album and no one bought in. I this is the second time we've been speaking this past week and you've slandered Kevin Federline like that. Hey. Listen to me. Popo's out was a smash, and you know it. 
We were all in until we weren't. Is all I'm saying about <laughs> Kevin Federline. I used to have the photo of Coach Aikens hugging his kids at the Edmonton yes. airport as my Twitter profile photo. Well, Kevin Federline had never been to Denver, but he rocks them nuggets anyway. Ooh, what's that from? Popozow. Do you look up Popozow lyrics? No, I just got that one on the dome. Wow. Yeah. You are the only remaining Kevin Federline fan, including <laughs> both his kids. Yep. Jeez. Yep. All right. That's true. You're M-checked. Did I ever tell you the story about when I went to the St. Albert Casino with thousands of dollars to spend and all these kids were betting on 20? <laughs> I like, honestly, I probably did a poor job explaining some of the hands that were being dealt that he was getting mad about. But like, I play a good amount of blackjack and they're, if my buddy had a question, I was giving him sound advice or like near the, by the book advice. Like this guy was honestly just throwing a massive hissy fit because he was losing. And he came over to our table. One of the first things he said, he was like, I was at that other table. They didn't know how to play. Like, Man, you know, maybe, maybe you just uh, need to get the gambling and check there. Big guy. There is nothing I can think of that's more pressure to learn than blackjack at a communal table. You better learn. You better learn quick. Well, and that's exactly, I don't know. This guy just fucking got on my nerves. This is why I won't play craps because I can't learn it. And I know if I go there, there'll be some guys like, oh, how come you're not betting on the pass win line? You bet on the win pass or whatever the fuck it is. Me too. Yeah. I love craps. I couldn't figure out craps for the life You would of me. love craps. It's so much fun. You just love that little thing that pushes the dice around, I bet. I love chucking the dice. And then I also love when I get in trouble from the dealer because I threw the dice off the table. Cause I got too excited. I, uh, for a while I didn't want to learn how to play craps because I was embarrassed that I didn't know if it was called craps or crabs. So I just stayed oh. away entirely. Then there's the time that I was throwing the dice and then one dice went missing. And then the pit boss came over and patted me down. And I was like, there's only one place you didn't look. <laughs> there's only one more place. The dice could be And I'm one wiggling and my buns. Just one and done for one lonely die. <laughs> And then they were like, you know what? You can keep that dice. We're going to get another one. <laughs> we're a, boxes we're a casino. We have plenty. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. Shout out to our friends at the HGA group, our title sponsors, as well as Twig and Berries, DoorDash, and Oodle Noodle. Shout out to you for tuning in. This has been an hour of the Real Life Podcast, episode 358. We'll be back on Thursday. Go others. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Real Life Podcast. Don't want to miss any of our nonsense? Hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.